hello everybody and welcome to uh, episode number 15 of Jam Session. I'm using my NPR voice uh, for some reason. Uh, today I am joined by uh, by host of the uh, of the Basement Lounge podcast, uh, Mike Shea. Uh, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, I think this is your first time on like anything like really like multiplex. Like I know that you had done some, you had competed in the MPFO and I'm not sure if you've done a full metal classic yet but like um i haven't done i haven't done a full metal my debut in uh multiplex is coming i'm taping it tomorrow so the day after we're recording this and then i just did um my just taped my first match for um uh what's the other the new one called um, um opening nights or thank you yeah yeah, yeah. opening the trivia with uh which is you know being run by their, their divisions being run by a lot of the guys from the ntfo yeah it's, so. yeah it's like david garcia and then that league yeah. in total is run by adelaide um, yeah so but yeah you because you've been around the community for for, for for quite a while like you run the outline nation <laughs> a little bit yeah i mean i've been around since i got into the schmodown when they first joined collider that was how I got introduced to it. And I was like, what the hell is this thing? And then I've been hooked on it ever since. And then, yeah, I, I started the Outlaw Nation Facebook group, which then became the official Outlaw Nation Facebook group. Uh, and then um, I work behind the scenes of the Outlaw Nation channel at large with John Roca. I also work behind the scenes with Top 10. Um, yeah, no, I've been, uh, I've, been, I've been around a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, yeah. It was uh, it was good to have you on because I know like I see you posting stuff about like about music and stuff, and we'll get into it a bit later. Uh, but how this works for anybody who hasn't listened to the show, uh, I give each guest the same fifteen or so questions, a couple of variables every now and then, um, and then they give me give my answers or give they give their answers. Sorry, um, I listen to them if I have to check on anything new, uh, and then we talk about it. Uh, but the first question I always like to ask beforehand: uh, What is it about music that sort of keeps you coming back? Oof. Um, it's an escape, man. At the end of the day, every I mean, I, I've been doing stand up for a long time. I'm a, I'm a film buff. Uh, I love podcasting. But at the end of the day, um, since I was a kid, I love to sit back, throw my headphones on and just listen to an album beginning to end. And, and just it, it's, it's an escape. I can literally shut my brain off and nothing else uh around me matters i mean when i was when i was living down south i mean sunday nights were my one day off you know from working in retail and a, my buddy would come over and we would get absolutely baked and just listen to like ryan adams records or instant stuff like that and just, just the whole like you see the movies like you just lean back and you're just like oh yeah and you're just staring at the ceiling and listening to it man yeah music's music transports you man that's why i love it yeah, that has been my go-to thing for 2020. Uh, like, like before the whole pandemic thing, I was very the way I consumed music was like always like greatest hits. It wasn't necessarily checking out the record, but it'd be like, oh hey, let's check out Van Morrison for the first time, and like check out check out their songs. But then like yeah, this year was the pretty well doing the exact same thing you did: sit in my shed, smoke smoke a bunch, listen to listen to at least a record, um, yeah. and then just guess just get it like you just escape pretty well and you try and you you go off somewhere and like it's just really like it can mold you going forward go going forward especially like how it's i, I always say that music is the greatest drug ever ever created because it just it 100 it, it shifts your emotions so much um but let's move into question number one uh who is your favorite artist i forget what i put 
shoot. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was I was not sober when I wrote this list, so um, I'm gonna pull up my list here. I think I said Eminem, right? Uh, you did say Eminem. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. Um, yeah, man, Eminem, and and that's a weird one. I know anybody who knows me who's listening to that is thinking like, fucking really. Um, I'm I'm really picky when it comes to rap and hip hop and stuff like that. Um, you know, as somebody who's who's worked in the music industry and in the radio industry for a number of years, um, I hear a lot of the same crap day in and day out. And so, what what makes Eminem so unique is is he's not doing what everybody else is doing. He's never been doing what everybody else is doing. Um, he yeah, and I mean yeah, you listen to his old stuff and like he was an angry dude. Oh Lord, was he an angry dude? I mean, there there's stuff on those old albums. Even I am like, I can't, I can't listen to that. Like, it's not that it's bad. It's just like that. We talk about music transporting you. That shit transports me to places I don't want to go. Um, but the the just the um, I I love people who use their art as an escape. I love people who make their art so personal that a it can never be covered. Like you'll never see anybody covering an Eminem song. You just can't um and and what the way he uses his music the same way that most people would go to therapy um is is mind-blowing to me the way he is able to so um artistically channel what he's feeling and thinking any any given given moment into his art the way he does blows my mind yeah, uh, I've never really looked at Eminem in terms of like a in terms of like a songwriter perspective. I've always gone like I've always gone to the music in terms of like how things are arranged, and particularly in Eminem's career, I've always attached to Dr. Dre because Dr. Dre often produces produces a lot of his a lot of his more notable beats. My name My name is um, the song that everybody I think in their mid twenties knows off off my heart without me. Um, they play that. They play that at trivia nights, and everybody just sort of groans. But then they, but then they sing it from start to finish because it's it's a great song. <laughs> you groan um, for five seconds, and then it gets into the track. Now this looks like that. We're all we're all M in the music video dressed as Robin dancing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the first time I had heard Eminem, I was, like this would have been you know, probably like six or seven, and I think his breakout hit was "The Way I Am," and I agree. I agree with you. That's angry and to be honest with you it's actually one of my most it's like i because i saw your post of the uh to comment a song that you hate and this is actually one that i would consider like i enjoy eminem but it's just it's unintended it's unreasonably angry um but then i feel like he would sort of craft that later on with like the the eminem show um and encore and the martial matters fp where he's sort of like he's like ryan styles for rap he's a lot better and he's a lot funnier whenever he's pissed off (laughs) That's um, that's a great comparison. That is a fantastic comparison. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and like, and nothing is really off subject. Like, you even go to like, I forget if it was Kamikaze or Music of Murder by, but there's a track on there that talks about like the breakdown of D12, and a lot of people forget that like, like that was supposed that was to be Kamikaze. the thing. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing that he tried that he was going to do moving forward, and then that just sort of fell apart, and that sucks because deep because like the D12 records. Slap. Well, part of the reason he couldn't get past it is, is because he's Eminem, and it was always going to be Eminem and D12. He couldn't, he couldn't disappear into D12. It was, you know, uh, when when Avenged Sevenfold had legendary drummer Mike Portnoy filling in for them 
um, temporarily. There was a conversation of will he join the band permanently? And they said no, Mike's too big because it would always be Event Sevenfold with Mike Portnoy. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of and there was other stuff with D12 as well. But yeah, it was all it was never going to be D12. It was always going to be Eminem and D12. Yeah, that's that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I guess like I guess the follow up question that I would have for you: a lot of people use like the relapse record. I would say as like a turning point, and it's like. Because I, I often consider like Encore and earlier his best work. Yeah. I I tried to listen to Kamikaze and music for I didn't I didn't try I didn't dabble in revival. But I I've heard people be like Kamikaze is the worst Eminem Eminem record, and it's just like that. It's not that's not right. But not I under, but I understand why a couple of the songs are pretty trash. Um, in particular, which one is it? Um, good guy and nice guy. Not yeah, good. yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not the best, but it's de- it's definitely not the worst. I mean, uh, I, and and I hate using the word worst because to to me, he doesn't have a bad album. He just has some that aren't as good as others. Yeah, you know, it's his work. His worst is still better than a lot of other people's best. It's so. You know, it's 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 pulling hairs is what it is at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll move on to question number two. Uh, who is your favorite band? Judas fucking Priest is the greatest heavy metal band that has ever existed. The fact that they have gone fifty years still active and touring and not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a travesty to the music industry. I'm sorry. What was your question? Um, so yeah, you like Judas Priest. Um, yeah, you have been very vocal in the last couple of years, I think, yeah. for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions because they've been nominated every year, but they just can't get through. Fucking insulting. It is absolutely insulting that Nirvana and Green Day and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Judas Priest is not. The fact that Madonna is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Run DMC are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Judas Priest is not makes no sense whatsoever. Now, those first three, I completely understand why they're in the Hall of Fame. Love Green Day, love Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I'm not sure who will go to Nirvana. Not as big, not as big as Nirvana. I'm a Dave, I'm a, I'm a Dave Grohl guy, but I'm all flu buddies. Yeah. Um, yeah, Judas Priest, not my neck of the woods. I am, I consider myself a big rock guy. I, well, I I'm, here, I'm here to guide you into this neck of the woods, my friend. I'm going to get you there. I'm going right. to get you there. Well, there is there is stuff that I do like. Their their second album, I think, was that came out in eighty one. It has um, you got another thing coming. Um, the, if there was ever a band that that thrived in the eighties in particular, it is oh. definitely Judas Priest. Oh, um, oh, the eighties belong to Judas Priest. <laughs> oh, that's that's a stretch, but you know, to each their own. Uh, but yeah, that debut, like the debut record, I wasn't super sold on. Power metal is um, power metal is as a I wouldn't say it's niche, but it's it's not as um, easy for me in terms of like just grasping onto it. Like obviously, like there's Iron Maiden, but I think yeah. I think the problem was especially with that first record um, is that I heard it and I'm like I just kind of want to listen to Iron Maiden. I kind of want to listen to uh, even even just Bruce Dickinson in general. But they're great. Like I understand why people love them as much as they do. 
So the thing, here's the thing with Judas Priest, and a lot of people forget this. You know, again, again, they're they're in their fiftieth year right now. Judas Priest created heavy metal, like like it didn't exist before them. It was them and Black Sabbath, and that was it. And they're still arguing over which one did it first because it kind of basically came, you know, debuted basically like within the same couple of years. Um, and so that first record, it like when you look at it like now compared to that first record, it's so drastically different, especially compared to what hard rock and heavy metal are now. Because back then it didn't exist. Like like the guitar tones, the, the the audio effects, the distortion, things like that, those things didn't exist back then. But what's so great about the career and the legacy of Judas Priest is as rock and metal have evolved, so have they. Um, if you listen to their lat to their last three albums, which you know, you know, uh, uh, Firepower, um, um, Redeemer of Souls, and Angel of Retribution, uh, not Angel of Retribution, um, 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 Nostradamus, um, they sound like they they almost sound like they're they're adapting to whatever is hitting big at that time. So when when Firepower came out a couple of years ago, bands like Five Figure Death Punch were were really big, kind of the, the groove metal. Uh, heavy hitting, rapid fire machine gun, kick drums, things like that. And their album kind of sounds a little bit like that. Like there's a definite influence of that with the heavy, uh, the power chords and the riffs. Uh, Redeemer of Souls ha- almost had a bit of a uh, progressive rock, progressive metal sound to it, which okay. was uh, eminent of like bands like Camelot and um, Epica and Amaranth, who were really big at that, at that time as well. Um, and then going back to Nostradamus, which came out in 2008, which was a, which was a, fucking 24 song concept album because that it was a very long album but it was very operatic and theatrical because that's just kind of what was big at the time in metal and what they've always done is they've adapted to what's popular but still also kept that judas priest you can definitely tell it's a judas priest song but you can tell that they're experimenting with their sound they're not afraid to try new shit and that's what one of the things i love so much about them yeah, absolutely. We'll get into Nostradamus a little, a little, a little bit later. I do have some thoughts on that. But Redeemer of Souls—that—that's one that I didn't check out. But as soon as you mentioned prog rock, that is—that is something that sort of sort of catches my attention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, completely understand why. Like they're definitely uh, again part of that big UK metal scene um, um, that really sort of influenced America in, 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 in particular. Uh, also, just you know, when you look at when you think about the image of like the leather and stud biker BDSM biker look, like they created that. The um, you know, like the whole people talk about the uh, you know, the hidden satanic uh, messages and metal. Like they're the they were the, like one of the first ones to like be put on trial for that shit. Like okay. everything that we think of when we think of heavy metal stereotypes, they did it first. Like they were the first ones to introduce like the wailing, high pitched screaming kind of things into metal now granted he does his a bit more classically trained operatic style but just the idea of doing something like that, something like, that, like the song victim of changes no one had ever done anything like that in in rock music before him not even ozzy osbourne and then now we consider almost almost the standard that wasn't a thing until they did it first all right yeah um, all right, so on to question number three. Uh, who is your favorite genre artist? And to the surprise of absolutely nobody, it, stu- it stumbled you um, on in terms of, like, coming up with an answer. Everybody does. Uh, yeah. I just worded this question horribly. But essentially what it is is, like, who is your favorite artist from your second favorite genre? Um, and you put uh, somebody that I think a lot of people don't really consider mainstream, uh, but is definitely one of the bigger, like, indie acts uh, of the decade. 
Lindsey Sterling. I am obsessed with Lindsey Sterling. Um, the fact that she's not more mainstream is is absolutely criminal. Um, I got to see her last year, uh, last year, the year before. I think it was last year. So she was on tour on a co-headlining tour with Evanescence. Um, Evanescence had done this album, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but where they basically did remixes and reinterpretations of all their greatest hits, and they did them as these like symphonic electronic style songs like it was like electronic effects and things like that but also with full symphony playing and still with a little bit of the rock elements of the band as well and that's the show they were putting on it was almost like the metallica snm show from back in, in, in oh, okay yeah yeah they were on stage with a full orchestra and the band and they had, you know, the piano, and they were playing that style. And it was one of those where, like, I, you know, I was a big Evanescence fan when they first started. I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. But when they came back with this, I was kind of like, if they would just do this, I would be 100% back on board with Evanescence because this is beautiful. This is These are songs I already know and love, but this reimagination of them is is incredible. And Lindsey Sterling was the was the the direct support for that tour, so she came out and did her songs. She performed with Evanescence as well. One of the things that blows my mind about about Lindsey Sterling is just, you know, she is somebody who, I mean, she was on America's Got Talent uh, for for or it was out of the X Factor, one of those. Whichever one Pierce Morgan was hosting, um, God, I hate him. I, I think um, he was on. I think it was on both of them actually. I maybe, but uh, but he, you know, she was on there for a little bit, but they voted her off, saying like, oh, there's no way this will ever be popular. No one will ever be into this. But I mean, they really kind of trashed her. Now she was now she's you know touring and selling out arenas with Evanescence and doing collaborations with Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm and Pentatonix. Um, and it's 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 the way that she's able to because she's an amazing dancer, first of all. The fact that they let her be they let, the fact that they let her be on on uh, um, dancing with the stars to me is almost kind of unfair. It's like, okay, she actually dances, y'all. She can't be on here. Um, but and to be able to play the violin as well as she does in a way that does like we've all seen like youtube covers of somebody saying i'm gonna play i'm gonna play the violin but it's gonna sound like heavy metal or whatever the way she's able to take the violin and really make it sound like a unique kind of instrument in the way that she's playing it with the tones and effects she's using is so incredible and the fact that you would think uh doing the kind of music she does would kind of get boring and repetitive after a while and it blows my mind how the way you're how each song really is distinguishable from each other uh, and no point does it ever feel like it's all kind of just bleeding together. No. Um, so I kind of I kind of agree with you on that, um, but I kind of like how the songs sort of like they they transition really well in, in, into one into one another. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like essentially like the backbone is there, but they sort of like flare out in different aspects. Um, I don't get as much of a metal sound, um, and I think it's more so because I think it was at the start of the decade. Um, somebody, I forget who it was, but there was a group of people that they were like, we're going to try and experiment and uh, cross over all of these genres and we're going to see, we're, we're going we're to see how it goes. I know that they had done, um, Skrillex had tried to sample, um, come on, baby, lay my fire. Just try to kind yeah. of mix like that, like rock and, and um, the other ones, um, that they try to do is, uh, is Celtic and EDF. And like, this is sort of. This sort of the best of both worlds that I get that I get from that. Um, Celtic is huge here in, in, in obviously in the East Coast. Um, yeah. 
So whenever I heard Lindsay, whenever I heard Lindsay Sterling, and I think it was in particularly Shadows off of her off her debut record, I got that sense of like essentially a kitchen like a kitchen party, but at like a at like a dance club or whatever. Because yeah. essentially that essentially that that bass um, and the way that she the way that she's playing the playing the violin um, is essentially like a like a not well, yeah, I guess it'd be like a, like a Celtic sort of like shanty or something. Um, but then you have what would necessarily be like the, like the guitar part that would be like the rhythm rhythm or the um, yeah the rhythm section. I, I guess I guess yeah. you would be. But that's just essentially placed replaced by the, like the, like the bass drum and the synths, and it has yeah. that same sort of like tempo and tempo and cadence. And I love that. And I love that about it. Um, yeah, to be clear, I, I I didn't mean to imply that like she had like a heavy metal sound. Oh, absolutely no. Um, but I will say there is something kind of inherently metal about what she's doing. Um, yeah. And also, it'd be, like I said, like watching her play with with Evanescence, they round they ended that show with doing a big cover of No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne. And she was playing the guitar parts on her violin. And I was just kind of like, this is the most metal shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like, this yeah. is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, if, for anybody who hasn't checked her out, would, would definitely definitely do so do yourself um, a favor holy yeah. shit <laughs> i think and i think this style has sort of transitioned into i wouldn't say mainstream but it's definitely transitioned into more eclectic and more niche scenes um yeah. a, a band that i would think that i think that you would really like that sort of does this style um is the east pointers um they're uh, uh -huh. they're they're a, they're a celtic trio but they but they apply but they add in sort some of those edm elements similar to what Lindsay sterling sterling does um, yeah. Got that similar vibe, and I, and I think I think you and, and others would, would would like them as well. They're from here. I, I will um, say, if somebody out there maybe has listened to Lindsey Sterling, and maybe maybe listening to it doesn't do much for you, I can at least say this: if you get the opportunity to go see her live, go. Yeah, her live show experience is is next level. I mean, there's it, it's I, I really can't go. I don't go. I don't want to spoil anything, but there are just things that she does with her live show in terms of costume changes and set design and just production value it's like something out of fucking broadway it is fantastic nice all right okay let's move on to question number four uh what is your favorite album nostradamus by judas priest <laughs> i it's a long involved different album from anything they've ever done but for that for a band that i mean like this is a band that's known for songs like breaking the law and hellbent for leather and you got another thing coming you don't expect a level of artistry like you get from Judas Priest in an album like this to take the story of Nostradamus and tell it in a what I can literally describe is is their attempt at a symphonic metal concept album. Um, the kind of thing that would that you'd expect from maybe like a Camelot or a Coheed and Cambria. Um, exploring all different kinds of genres within the album at one point they do a song called death which is straight up just slow heavy bass doom metal uh you know they do stuff like um their uh, well their their opening song um which is called uh, prophecy which is more along the lines of traditional judas priest uh the final song nostradamus which is like freaking 80s speed metal you know a little bit of a throwback to, to painkiller um and then they do stuff that's just straight just straight opera style i mean they they pulled out all the stops with this album and and what makes it my favorite is just the level of what can we get away with let's do it they did with this album 
you're not gonna like what I have to say then. Um, I don't like I don't like what anybody has to say about this album. Nobody likes this album. I fucking love this album. This album is so widely disliked, even by Judas Priest fans. <laughs> so yeah, so for this so for this question in particular, I'll always throw on the album and it's, I always gauge it based on like what song grabs grabs me first and like yeah. and there have been and like for some bands I had no problem with that. For this one, I wasn't like, oh, what's this song until Calm Before the Storm. Oh, and that's a great song, and like I and I and I agree. I agree with Calm Before the Storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Calm Before the Storm, Nostradamus, and Future of Mankind are good, not not great. There are elements that I like in all in all three of them, and they are definitely the three strongest. It just it comes off as kind of like watered down Judas Priest. I get a lot of those elements, but it's just kind of like. I understand why they're like trying to change their sound to adapt to adapt with the trend, but I hear but I hear this and I'm like, I can I get this from I get this better from other artists of that time. Like, Avenged Sevenfold does does that same sound a lot better. I actually got um I I don't know the name of the vocalist and I'm, and I'm very sorry um but I get a very Billy Joel sound out of him. So I think I forget. I, I forgot if it was Shadows in the Flame or if it was was it the Four Horsemen maybe that it was just like I heard that and then all I could picture after hearing that song was Billy Joel singing singing it, uh, which which sucks, but that's I, I couldn't like um, couldn't like get my head out of this. So first of all, the, the singer's name is Rob Halford. He is the godfather okay. of heavy metal. He is he's the greatest man ever, um, and I'm not the only one who thinks so. Um, yeah. Nostradamus is an album. It's not widely loved by most Judas Priest fans. I mean, that's just that's that's not a secret. Um, I know I love this album way more than most people. Um, for me, I think the reason the I think the reason it's my favorite and the reason I have so much love for it is because of just the balls it took to attempt something like this. Yeah. Given given that this was not long after, because there was a period where Rob Halford wasn't with the band. They had a different vocalist. There was two albums where he wasn't on there. Um, then the album they, they came back with Angel Retribution was uh, mixed to positive reviews. It was just it was a little different. Um, you know, obviously they were trying to kind of get their feet back with themselves. They had they had a different kind of production style, different kind of songwriting style. But just the balls and and um, the level of we're going to do what we we're just going to try something as different as humanly possible. Um, I love the ambition of it. I think is what it really comes down to. There's an, there's a level of ambition in this album that i think most bands past present and future just don't have it in them to try something like this um again like this is this the the kind of the, this is the kind of thing you would expect from like a coheed or a camelot uh or even a stone sour the way they did it with with house of golden bones parts well, parts one and two um and and for a band like judas priest that was known for being kind of the they were kind of a staple band that they're who you go to when you want to hear kind of a certain style of heavy metal, that classic style for them to say, we're pulling out all the stops and we're doing something that is a hundred percent the opposite of what anybody would expect us to do. Um, I just, I love the ambition of it. I love the artistry. And also what's, what's great is if I'm in the mood for some doom metal, I can throw the song death into that playlist. If I'm in the mood for some symphonic metal, I can throw Nostradamus into, in, into that mix. I, I can throw, there's a little something on this album for me, no matter what I'm in the mood for. And that, okay. and that, that kind of makes it universal for me. Yeah. Um, 
totally totally get that. Like I understand I understand why. Maybe I'll get something something more out of it on on a, on a second listen. Um, one other thing that I wanted to say before we move on is that um, on the future of mankind in particular, uh, mm. there is a very sort of Pink Floyd. Uh, Pink Floyd sort oh, of like yeah. Pink Floyd sort of sound, um, and it made me. And like, whenever I got to that song, it made, it made me think. Of, it made me, made me want to ask you um, if you like this album so much. What are your thoughts on the wall? Uh, Pink Floyd is one of those is is one of those things. Um, I so I I grew up in not a very artistic household. So like nobody in my family are like musicians or like necessarily other than like maybe my brother now. Uh, like you know mom and dad weren't like huge film but like dad was a sci-fi nerd and mom was a graphic designer but it wasn't it was for them it was more about like like my dad was very much i want to go to the movies and stuff popcorn in my face kind of guy he didn't he did he wasn't he wasn't into film he was into movies um is the way i kind of make that the the distinction and the same thing with music you know my parents are more into stuff that bops and i'm more into stuff that makes me feel feel things um so pink floyd wasn't something i grew up on uh, it just wasn't. I, I've I've listened to the wall once, um, and that's just kind of it was something I was never really introduced to. I heard about it through the grapevine, um, and it was also one of those things that by the time I got around to actually listening to it, it it was it's kind of like when somebody hypes up a movie and then yeah. you go see it and it kind of falls below you because it gets hyped up so much. That's how Napoleon Dynamite was for me. Everybody said oh, it was the funniest wow. movie ever made. And by the time I saw it, like three years after the fact, I was like, I mean, yeah, I laughed, but chill the hell out, everybody. Um, and so, so Pink Floyd's The Wall was was kind of the same thing where I was just kind of like, I mean, yeah, it's good, but y'all can calm the hell down. Like, okay, I get it's it's good, but chill the fuck out. Okay, but again, a lot of that's because everyone touted it as like the greatest piece of rock music ever conceived, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's good, but chill okay I, I mean it's 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 no wasting light but the, but the wall is the wall is great yeah, um, all right it's, it's fine yeah well, <laughs> question number five uh who was your favorite artist uh or band as a uh or, sorry childhood um and i believe this is a jam session first where we have the same answer uh and back-to-back shows back streets back all right <laughs> uh i grew up growing up in a in a relatively sheltered family. I mean, my parents were very clean cut, um, you know, very selective about the music we were allowed to listen to, the shows we were allowed to watch, the video games we were allowed. They were not big on video games, period. Um, and that wasn't, wow. that wasn't a video games cause violence thing. It's just, it, they were just kind of like, hey, you don't need that. Um, they were, my parents were very, uh, they, they chilled out a, a lot in later years but growing up for me in the early 90s and shit not so much so like i was only allowed to listen to like stuff like backstreet boys and 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 sync because for them like they were like it's harmless um when i first started getting into more alternative music like lincoln park and stuff like that they my parents were the i would buy the cd they'd take the lyric booklet from me they read through it listen to the songs and tell me which songs i could and could not listen to oh wow um yeah when my brother bought his first usher cd he was allowed to listen to like two songs um wow. but, uh, i yeah. that never happened that didn't happen to me but it would be like because my parents hated eminem and i oh was, we were I not was, allowed to have eminem in our house yeah. at all oh yeah no I, I was fond of eminem and i remember playing yeah. um i remember playing uh the real some shady 
uh, and with without, without headphones like on, and it was like the explicit explicit version, so every curse word. And I remember yeah. I remember they said the first fuck, um, and Mom was like, "What are you listening to, Eminem?" All right, yeah, you got to turn that off. All right, fuck. Yeah, my 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 parents a little off topic. My my parents were very like like when I when I was seventeen, I was like I remember I I went and bought. Uh, I bought, I bought, I think I bought like a, a Dane Cook album, you know, and had the parental advisory sticker on there. And my mom was like, you know, you know, who said you could buy that? And I was like, I'm allowed to see rated R movies. Like, I think I can buy this. I have a lot of issues. Like, who said you're allowed to see rated R movies? And I was like, the MPAA. Um, I got grounded for a couple of weeks for for that smart remark. But uh, um, yeah, man. But Backstreet Boys, you know, people always say who's better, Backstreet Boys or In Sync? And In Sync, In Sync, I think had the more like. Um, I I I say Instinct had the shit that made me want to dance. Backstreet Boys had the shit that made me want to feel. Okay, that's the first time I've ever heard that, and you're not yeah. wrong. You're that's definitely that's not wrong. I when I when I was in the mood to party and dance around my bedroom and and chill with the boys, Instinct was on. When I was when I was feeling meh or in a mood, um. And and just the songs that got more of an emotional reaction. That's not to say that Instinct didn't occasionally have something that made me feel shit, but more often than not, the songs that made me feel stronger emotions came from Backstreet Boys, man. Now, if Backstreet Boys gave you the feels, what did yeah. Boys to Men do? Not Backstreet a whole lot. Do? Oh, really? No. Uh, just it, again, that Boys to Men was just one that I just it just wasn't as prominent. I, I grew up in a middle class white family. Yeah. So, uh, middle class '90s my thing. So, Boys and Men was an art was a group that I was aware of. Um, didn't have them always readily available. Boys and Men was good shit though. Like yeah. as an adult listening to Boys and Men, I'm like, oh, this is some good shit. Um, as a seven year old growing up in the '90s though, like Boys and Men wasn't as readily available <laughs> in, in, in milk toast white bread Ohio where I was growing up. So. <laughs> Gotta gotta get in the gotta get in the Moffats and you gotta get in yeah. uh, Ch- uh, Chumbawamba. Yeah, Chumbawamba. Oh, I know uh, Chumbawamba. Yeah. Everybody knows Chumbawamba. Yeah, there's one of the one of the best one hit wonder bands out of the '90s, man. Come on, you get down and you get up again, and you're never gonna keep me down. I get knocked down and I get up again, and you're never gonna keep me down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. right, on to question number six. Uh, what's a song? That makes you happy. Um, whenever I first listened to this for the uh, for the show, I yeah. forgot I forgot how awesome the intro is and just so how it's very <laughs> in your face. The song, of course, we are talking about is "Feed My Frankenstein" by Alice Cooper. Feed my Frankenstein. Make, make my record ever. Since. Oh God. And Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper is a, I guess you could say artist band. I mean, it's kind of kind of a mix between the two. That like I've always been aware of, and I didn't really start hardcore getting into Alice Cooper until probably the last couple of years. Like it's one of those ones that just I always always aware of Alice Cooper. I knew the hits, you know, working in radio, but it was, you know, different, you know, generational separation kind of thing. Um, and then, but I'm a big fan of a guitarist by the name of Nita Strauss. Um, she is an amazing, amazing guitar player. Um, and, uh, then I found out that I was like, oh, she's been playing with Alice Cooper's live shit. Let me, let me watch some videos of her playing without playing with Alice Cooper. 
and just kind of it kind of gave me this like new because it's a younger generation guitar player playing with this classic guy so it kind of gave me that almost like a, a new entrance into alice cooper kind of like, and so like a plastic of the torch almost almost yeah because like and i know he's had like orianti who's played with him for a long time and you know he's but you know nita strass is someone that i'm just a big fan of because i'm a big fan of the iron maidens uh which is the all-girl iron maiden cover band that a oh, friend cool. of mine my, my friend nikki plays plays in the band and so that's kind of how i got introduced to nita strauss um and so getting that re that that reintroduction almost um that uh, that retrospective introduction into alice cooper and feed my frankenstein is a song that I, it's it's just fun it's just a fun freaky rock song it's it's is it about sex probably is it about an actual monster yeah i think so um but there's there's lines like you know i, I ain't he's like um he's like i'm a hungry man but i don't want pizza and i'm like you know what that's such an 80s fucking rock line, and I love it. Um, this, is, uh, this is definitely like Bill and Ted's favorite song. Yes. Like five years after the movie's came in. Well, like the, even the music video is, has footage from Wayne's World in it. And I, I still remember Wayne's World 2, Alice Cooper's scene is one of the funniest things on the face of the earth when they show up to talk to alice cooper expecting like this huge party and they're having philosophical discussions about the civilization and history of the area and then they get they do their we're not worthy and alice cooper just holds out his hand like he's waiting for them to kiss it like that's <laughs> one of the funniest scenes in in 90s cinema um and it's just only alice cooper can have he's only somebody like alice cooper who again talking about artistry who's got that that reputation and that image built up can have that much fun, but also be serious. And at no point does either one feel out of place. Like him being goofy and silly feels right. But also him being a little intellectual also kind of feels right. Yeah. I mean, like the, uh, I think what a lot of people think of Alice Cooper, um, especially like for the, for the film lovers is they go, they instantly go to the paddling scene for ba- for basic views, especially. No oh, more. sure. <laughs> Mr. Ice Guy, and that description of being by Frankenstein also fits that song perfectly because it's it's silly, it's sort of like sort of yeah. sort of tongue in cheek, and then of course the Family Guy, the Family Guy spoof after whatever Chris. Oh yeah, <laughs> freshman. That's Alice Cooper in general, man. Like Alice Cooper is fun, freaky, shock rock. I mean, I, I posted on a Facebook a few weeks ago where it's like you know I was, I was listening to the song Bed of Nails, and I'm like only Alice Cooper can write a song where the hook is ow 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 and it still slaps <laughs> like it's, it's still just good all right well on to uh to question number seven uh what's a song that makes you sad uh, father and son by cat stevens i mean i think it kind of goes without saying if you've ever heard the song you get it um this song in particular uh i'm gonna try really hard not to cry talking about it uh the song in particular hits me in a lot of different ways um so the way i got introduced to this song uh was through guardians of the galaxy volume two okay i didn't grow up on cat stevens um i knew who cat stevens was but this is a song that i just never really heard um and the the movie guards of the galaxy volume two uh at its core deals with like uh, you know, daddy issues, um, the idea of distinguishing a birth father versus the father who raised you. Um, and that's something, you know, my dad was not my biological father, but he's also the only dad I ever knew. 
you know, he, he and my mom got married when I was 10. He's the only father I ever had. So he's my dad. You know, I called him dad. Yeah. I didn't call him by his name. I did like the, for the first year because it was a little weird for me, but you know, um, but he was my dad. So at the time when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came out, my dad was in the middle of battling leukemia. Um, and my dad is the one who really got me into nerdy shit to begin with. Like he got me into Star Trek and, and, and really got me in. He and I would talk at, at, at length about comic books and nerdy. And we would, we would watch, you know, the MCU movies together all the time. So when I watched Guardians Volume 2 for the first time and like literally the last thing Yondu says is like, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And I was just kind of like, oh, that's not fair. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. And then they and they start playing with Cat Stevens song, Father and Son. And then just lyrically, like people talk about Cats in the Cradle all the time. And the, the, Father and Son makes Cats in the Cradle look like nothing. Um, you know, the, the lyrics talking about like, you know, it's time for me to go and not being around anymore. And I was and I'm in the I'm in the theater with with all these people watching Guardians of the Galaxy who are who they're all just kind of like, oh, that's sad. I was bawling just bawling and then what really what really hammered at home was so later so at the end of that year my dad passed away um the following summer we had a big family get together uh my, my dad hated funerals so we so we never had a funeral for my dad my, my dad hated funerals um so the following summer when because my, my dad died the day before new year's and so the weather was atrocious it was cold snowy it was one it was a, it was a miserable winter so we had said we were going to have a big family party for dad, but we wanted to wait and do it when the weather was. So, so the following summer, we had this big family party get together. And and just being the person I am, I had my camera, and I was taking pictures and shooting video and making kind of a little mini documentary video out of the whole thing. And so uh, over the next week, like, I was editing the footage together. Um, it was just, you know, finding the clips. just just organizing the shots, basically, what it came down to. And I was like... You need to find a song to play over this, just in general, because it was only being like like three three minutes and something seconds long, right? So I'm scrolling through my music and I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, scrolling, and I just happened to stumble upon the MP3 of Cat Stevens' Father and Son, and I was like, "Man, fuck it, let me just see how it." I I dragged the MP3 into the timeline on on Adobe Premiere, and I'll be a son of a bitch if it didn't. If the minute, if it wasn't the exact length of the footage that I had just cut together, like exact. Oh wow! And the way and when I and I'm I was like that's freaky. And then I watched the video beginning to end. I am not a religious person at all. I'm a pretty staunch atheist. But if this wasn't a moment of weakness in my atheism, I'll be damned because, like the way the cuts placed transitioned perfectly for how the lyrics were moving in the song even the fade out i did at the end faded perfectly with how the song fades out you know he's talking about um you know growing and becoming a family with your son and it cuts to it cuts to a shot of my brother and his, his then fiance now wife and it, you know my brother and his, my other brother and his new girlfriend and i'm just kind of like okay this this isn't fucking fair man so by the time the video's over, I'm sitting downstairs in my basement at two o'clock in the morning, just crying like a baby. Um, but that is a song that to this day, like on on random occasions, will pop up on the radio or on a on a Spotify playlist that I have to skip it. I can't get more than like five seconds oh, of that song. I'm a mess. In terms yeah. of in terms of songs that I have to skip, there are 
two in particular. Yeah. Um, it's Songbird by Fleetwood Mac that always reminds okay. me because that the story that I had behind that is um, it was uh, the Glee episode whenever they did uh, they had done songs off of Rumors, and it was around that time that my grandmother had passed away. Uh, so I just always associate that song, and then it's also uh, Christmas Shoes. Um, that oh. song is sad as fuck. The yeah, chorus, especially, man. and the first few times as a kid, I'm like, this song is just it's it's boring. It's not it's not deep or anything. And then there's like I think it was like the fifth or the sixth time I just bawled. Um, but yeah, Cat Stevens in particular, I have a very interesting um, attachment. Uh, my dad is a, my dad was a big Cat Stevens fan. Um, we played Morning Has Broken. Uh, quite a bit at at, ch- at church. Uh, I was a Catholic boy growing up, so uh, I I still play music from from, from time to time. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That the great song, and then obviously maybe maybe it's a wild, it's a wild world. Yeah. Father and son in in in, partic- in particular, I'm just not. It's for personal reasons. I understand. I understand why. But it's it's that attachment. It's I'm very. It leaves me very confused at at, at the end, just mm. because of the of my own shit that I'm that I'm dealing with. Um, sure. But it's a great. But it's a great song. Cat Stevens or Soup Jam, I believe, whatever whatever he's called now. Because uh, right. because he, he did everything and then he went to like Saudi Arabia, changed his name. Mm. He now like to cry. Music. He hates it all now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't I can't fault Cat Stevens because like him, it's like him and Van Morrison and oh. uh, and like Don McLean, that yeah. mix of just great folk storytellers. Um, and Bob Dylan as well, and let geez, Bob yeah. Dylan, Leonard Cohen, there's so <laughs> many. Joni Mitchell. There's a whole uh, list out of like the sixties and seventies where it's just kind of like I don't know what I don't know what everybody was smoking, but we need some more of that. It was the good stuff for sure. It was the good stuff because, like, right now the number one song is WAP, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around that shit. So. I, yeah, I understand lyrically why that's a, why that's a good song. I like it. I just can't fucking stand Cardi B. But enough about Cardi B because I had to leave, <laughs> I, I had to, I had to leave well, that. Let's talk about her. The better. Let's move on. Excellent. All right. Question number eight. Uh, what's your favorite song? Number four. Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Uh, as a as a vocalist and a bass player. Uh, the bass line on that song is so much fun to play. That is a karaoke staple of mine. I was briefly in a Judas Priest cover band as the bass player and vocalist, and that was the first song we learned how to play. Uh, the song is not hard. It's not a hard song at all, which might be why it's part of the reason why it's one of my favorites to play. Uh, but it, the, the bass is groovy. The lyrics are just, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, it's the song you think of when you think Judas Priest. Yeah. It is. I mean, to the point where I mean, they they had them on The Simpsons doing a parody of it, which was fucking hilarious. Um, and but this is also a song. It, it, I don't care if I'm going to karaoke in the backwoods of West Virginia or in Los Angeles. The karaoke bar is going to have this song, um, and it's one that when I was in the when you when you're in that band, you start playing that opening riff. Everyone knows what song it is, and everybody knows the chant: "Breaking the law, breaking the law." It's just, it's so much fun. Now, I think the only way that you can make this even better is that immediately after playing Breaking the Law, you have to transition into I Fought the Law, the Law One by the, of course. By, by, by the Clash. And it's just of like, course. It, it, it's just, it seems like a given. It's the spiritual sequel. Yeah. Breaking the Law. Well, I fought the law, uh, Law One. Oh, Not going to do that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've already, you, you mentioned you talked about Judas Street before, and again, it, it just sort of encapsulates that UK 
the UK power metal scene and it's just like shredding, headbanging. Um, in terms of like in terms of like the musical arrangements, that's what I that's what I love about it. And I'm sure this is like this is so fucking fun to play. Like I definitely oh. like yeah. I'm I'm staring at my bass right now and it's like if I hadn't already just unplugged my amp, I'd go just grab it and just fucking shred through that shit right now but we're not gonna do that <laughs> uh, we're, not gonna, we're, not, we're not gonna do that yet uh but your next question uh, uh -huh. what is your favorite instrument i'm a bass player and that is a beautiful beautiful let me see uh, lift that body up. let me see that again that sounds so dirty yeah g tercer five string Got very string nice 10. see i don't play five strings i only play four strings five strings five string is great i love five string because I often I love that I love that low D and that yeah. the low C sometimes it comes off as a little as a little muddy um, at times. But yeah, I love having that drop D there. Something something fun. Uh, so uh, uh, Death Clock and Metalocalypse. I was watching some videos from from years ago when they were when they were still touring, and the bass player they were asking him like they kind of asking him like where does he get kind of the unique bass tones? So what he does is he plays a four string, but he uses the top four strings from a five string set. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've heard I, of I've heard of bases doing that. I was like, that's you know what? That's cool. I like that. That's a fun idea. I'd never I'd never consider doing something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I love playing bass. I'm working on a project right now that I've been working on for a long time, um, where the only instruments going to be featured on the album are going to be a bass guitar and a drum, but the bass is going to be used like nine or ten different ways run through different processors and like effect pedals and things like that to where it sounds like multiple instruments yeah. um it's i'm having so much i i just got back into working on it last month and i'm having so much fun with with new ideas and it's been a lot of fun to work on yeah a lot of people think like guitar is one of the more versatile instruments but then you go to the bass and you can pretty well do the exact same thing uh there's a guy that used to go to open mic all the time and same thing Four string, four string bass, and I think he had, I think he had loop, reverb, and delay, and he did three, and he did three songs, and one of them in particular was like, I think, it, I think he had everything, loop, reverb, and and, and delay, and mm -hmm. it's just so dreamy and dreamy and spacey, and it transforms the way that, that you look at it, because I think a lot of people are like, oh, bassists just play, they just play the root notes, and that's all you do, not, not hit at all. Maybe, there's maybe. yeah. There's counter melodies and thirds and like I like I played essentially the equivalent of bass in in in, band, in high school band, being the being yeah. the euphonium. Didn't play the tuba, but it's essentially like a smaller version of it. Um, so I got my love for bass at bass in there. Um, and I think that's why I attract to certain the certain bass lines. And it's usually like I wouldn't say it's the higher you go, but like the the more the more middling, I guess. I guess, I guess yeah. you would say the more we're able, able to move around. Um, for Jake Maragoni's episode in, in particular, and one that I went back to after the show um, was a song called "Peanuts" by the Police off of, yeah. their, off, of off of their debut record. That baseline fucking slaps. Oh, um, fucking fucking Sting though. I mean, Sting on the bass is is it's next level. I mean, that's that's no comparison, man. Who, who would you say are your top three bases? Oh shit, that's a good question. Oh, man. Uh, on the more modern side right now, I'm a big fan of Paolo from Trivium. He is he is fucking wizard on the bass. Um, in ways that I didn't realize until I really took a look at the mixing of their albums and I realized the shit he was doing. I was like, God damn, this guy's good. Um you know, uh, it's it's weird. It's it's not the bass player from Judas Priest, and every so everyone always is always surprised when I say Judas Priest is my favorite band because their bass lines aren't exactly like next level or anything. They're pretty basic, but they're still good. 
Um, man, that's a good question. I've never thought about that. I usually don't think about my favorites too often. So uh, I'll give so I'll give mine to sort of give yeah you give me yours I'm, I'm, I'm gonna think so, about this so my th- so my three would definitely be Nate Mendel uh, from the Foo okay. Fighters in particular um, go listen to Row Pop of Wasting Light there's some there's a lot of cool things there yeah my fa- my favorite bassist in my favorite overall is John Paul George of Led Zeppelin okay. Ramble On is probably my favorite bassline of all time um, and then number two I mean it's Flea. Can't really go wrong with me. He's good. Was, I, I think the reason I don't stay free is because I'm not a Chili Peppers fan. Um, really? Yeah. So I, there's a lot of stuff that people consider like you know, like I get that they're good. Yeah. I, I, at no point am I saying like I don't like them because they're bad. They're talented as fuck. It's just their, their music just doesn't do anything for me. What no. um, what have like of the records of theirs? What have you checked? Like what what have you listened to? I mean, I, I could tell you individual songs. Um, individual songs, okay. And, and a lot of that is again. I, I've worked in I worked in radio for a very long time, so I yeah. hear a lot of radio singles. And you probably heard current issue a fair a fair few. Yeah, dozen. you know, um, standing in line to see the show I like that. That song's not bad. I, I my, my my issue with that song is it starts off like that, kind of almost sounding a little bit like Glycerine by Bush. Okay. And, then it, and then it goes into some weird little funky breakdown in the middle, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't fit, but okay. But that's also kind of the Chili Peppers. That's just kind of what they do. Um, yeah. Their last two records in particular, I would definitely recommend in terms of giving them a second chance. I'm with you and The Getaway. Uh, like Rain Dance Maggie is a, is a good one. Factory of Faith. Um, and then yeah. uh, what's one off their new album? Um uh, Dark Necessities uh, is okay. Yeah, see, whenever I tell somebody I don't like a particular band or artist, it's very rare for me, just just because of how into music I am, it's rare that I'll say something sucks. Yeah. It's very rare that I'll say, oh, that sucks. I'll usually just say, it's just not for me. It doesn't, like, there's plenty of metal out there. As much of a metalhead as I am, there's plenty of metal out there that just doesn't do anything for me. Um, it does. It doesn't hit the taste buds. Uh, of, of the ears as, as well as it should. Um, you know, I am not a Beatles fan. I think the Beatles are widely talented. It's just, I've never heard anything. I've never, and I, I get that, I get that same reaction every time. I've never heard a song by the Beatles that made me go, oh, fuck, yeah. Every time I hear somebody with my reaction is always, yeah, it's good. I'm never going to listen to it again. I'm never, okay. that being said, I love the movie Across the Universe. <laughs> um, which is all Beatles music, um, but it's just. I, but yeah, I don't. I, I by no means have ever thought the Beatles were bad musicians. I don't. I've never heard something by them and been like, "Oh, this is garbage." It just doesn't. It's 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 not my it's not my cup of tea. It just doesn't do anything for me. It's okay. it's you know it's it's not my favorite restaurant, guys. It's not my favorite steak. Um, there are there are some that I actually do think are overrated and not very good. Um, I tend to keep those to myself because that's not a headache. I'm ready to to have a discussion over. Um, I think I think Cardi B is absolute garbage, but that's a whole other story. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a so again, and, and and it's also one of those where because I and I hate sounding like this guy, but because the Chili Peppers are so freaking popular, that's um, okay. It's one of those where it's like okay, but they haven't done anything to because the hype is up at eleven. Um. You know, I, I'm getting here. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's like an eight, but that's not an eleven. So everybody just needs to chill the fuck out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, to uh, to question number ten, uh, what artist is your guilty pleasure? 
simple plan, man. Let's <laughs> fucking go. I don't know what it is. I don't. And again, this is, this is one of those bands who, again, like you know, knowing about like growing up and kind of how my parents were with music and stuff like that. This was kind of a safe option where I was really first getting into rock music, like actual rock music um, that were available that were fine with my parents. So it was something I was able to listen to. And so when you have something like that, that you, that's kind of like all you have access to, you tend to find things in it that maybe other people haven't seen, I think. Or you find you find you, you connect with, you know, somebody who has you know, never who somebody who is who is 75 years old that has never had lobster in their life will probably not like it when they finally try it, but they've probably got an affinity for spam that I will just never understand. You know, because that's what you got. So with Simple Plan, I mean, you know, I had every simple I had the first two or three simple plan albums and I listened to them constantly, but also at the time I was an angsty teenager. So it was appealing to me. And I still listen to those first two or three albums right now because every once in a while you get a little nostalgic for those angsty teenager years. And I'm like, you know what? Shit still slaps. You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm addicted to you. Still bops. I'm still into it. Mostly it's just fun to say, I'm a dick. I'm, I'm addicted a dick. to you. Uh, uh, yeah. It, I, and I, I've seen, I've never seen them live, but I've watched like live videos. You know what? They put on a good show. And that's kind of a big, that's a big thing for me is I don't give a shit how good your album is. If you can't hold it together at a live show, I will lose a lot of respect for you. And I've seen plenty of bands live who I didn't like their music in particular on the album, but their live show was so good. I got more into them. Like Hollywood Undead was one of those. I wasn't wasn't a big fan of the music. It was okay couple of the songs where i was like okay i'm into this but then i saw them live one day they were headlining a concert i was at i went for the feature act and they were headlining and i watched them. i was like you know what they're killer live i'll give them that much i'm having fucking fun right now so yeah uh, hollywood and dead is very very weird um yeah in terms of like their songs are super upbeat but their lyrics are very dark uh but yeah. but simple plan is like i uh, I'm just a kid. Is yeah. was it? I think in almost every 2000s college college. Oh, yeah. I mean, the music video for that song is with is on. They that was like using footage. They shot the music video using the cast of um, the new guy, that <sighs> DJ Qual movie. Yes. Like he, him, and the cast are in the music video. That music video was for that. For that movie, yeah, that song is in every 2000s teen drama ever. Yeah, but they're like Simple Plan in particular. They're definitely mixed in with like All American Rejects, Blink yeah. One Eighty, Blink One Eighty Two. Um, they oh, also had Shut Up, Shut Up. Uh, I, um, I'm addicted. Um, Welcome to my un- life. Un- untitled, untitled. Yeah. How can this happen? Un- un- untitled for a long time. That's a that's a that's a fucking emotional song. Oh, it is. Oh, it definitely is. Pierre, what's, like, Pierre people, what's his name? Is an incredible vocalist. Yeah, I mean, people people get help. People get latched onto the hooks of the chorus and judge it a little like the the song. How could this happen to me? And they they think, oh, this is whiny. Yeah, but if you actually listen to the song and what he's exploring in terms of battling with depression, 
and exploring the concept of the question, how could this happen to me? There's a lot more to that that people give them. Even the song Welcome to My Life. Yeah, it's really easy to get latched onto the slightly whiny welcome to my life. But it, the, the song itself is more like there's there's a bit of a, almost like a reflecting on the current state of the world type feel to that song. If you actually sit and listen to it and give it a chance and don't get I mean, I, I know I know it's easy to get caught up on a hook of a chorus, but if you if you look beyond that with a lot of their stuff, there's more to it. It's just that it's it's that teeny bopper pop, pop punk sound is a little hard to get past, and I get that. But even but even like uh, even Welcome to My Life, I would even go I would go to the verses over over, over the chorus. Like even that first line, "Do you ever feel like breaking down? Do you ever want to run around?" I think yeah. that's one of the greatest like open opening lines like of that of that genre. Um, they are. Uh, we got a lot of exposure to them. Obviously, obviously, them being from Quebec, because uh, so, oh, yeah. there's that great, there's that great Canadian bylaw that 10 percent of all the music played on radios has to be Canadian artists. So on rock stations, you, know you get rushed, and then you, that, you know, that 10 percent always seems to be better than the other 90 percent. I don't know what y'all got in the water up in Canada. I mean, it's Damn. it's it's great, but on rock stations, I'm tired of hearing Rush. And rush and rushing uh, and April Wine. April Wine's great. Um, an unheralded band from Nova Scotia um, yeah. on, on Canadian radio, in particular. Um, there's a lot of songs um, that are just like you don't realize they're April Wine songs because they're just like they're just yeah. big hits and they're never you never really associate our bands with them. Um, plus, question number eleven. Going to that one. Uh, what artist or band do you think is overrated? And oh boy, both. <laughs> let's hear them so uh, an artist i think is overrated as billy eilish i don't get it i that that that's one of those ones where like i'm that's one of those ones where like i talked about earlier how like with chili peppers it's like they're good it's just not for me um billy eilish is one of those ones where i'm like i don't get it i don't get the appeal at all uh yeah billy I, eilish right go ahead I, I saw where they did this thing for the American Music Awards because it was during the pandemic and they were cutting the people like in their homes doing performances of some of their big hits and it was like you know fucking Foo Fighters are like in professional studios and you know we're sitting and we're playing right and then it cuts to Billie Eilish who is literally like lounging on her couch leaned back with her head buried in her chest like this and she's just doing her uh, uh, uh. See, see, the the noise getting on my microphone is even picking. Is it even picking all this up? Because, but she's just. I'm like, if you can, if your shit is so simplistic, you can sit in the most like any vocal coach will look at you and be like, you no bad, and you're sitting there and you're you're putting your body in a position where you shouldn't be able to be project noise, and people are like, give that all the Grammys. I I don't get it. I definitely one of those people where it was like give her all the Grammys. Um, she is this, she is this revitalization to me for horror pop. Um, in particular, bury a friend. Um, and my defense of those vocal qualities, it's not necessarily the vocal qualities, but it's what she's doing in the songs. She's often adding a lot of um, a lot of harmony, but a lot of like weird harmony. In yeah. terms of like, it doesn't necessarily match up throughout the entirety of it, but it yeah. always meets up at the end. Um, and Barry and Frank in particular is that great? Is that great? Is that great example? She also does it as well in um, 
and, and bad and bad guy in the, in, in the verse, and it just gives it um, this. I wouldn't. It doesn't give it a ton of depth, but it's just enough where it's like I'm still interested to try and check check her stuff out. For for me, I think what it comes like given given the the um, avant garde style she's using, I need more depth. I guess it is for me. And like okay. if you're gonna, if if you're gonna be that out there, you need to give me something that I can really connect to on art on an artisan level. And I'm just not getting that. Now again, okay. again for the record, if if someone else and I want to be very clear, if you're getting out of this music what I am not, God bless you. Like good for you. This is me. I get nothing from Billie Eilish. Is one of those. It's like if she would add add two two tablespoons more of some depth to it. Okay, give me give me something to hold on to because right now I'm 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 just, I'm just not getting a lot. And, and and the thing that I think really kind of drives me up a wall though is when I hear everybody say, "Yeah, but you don't understand. Her and her brother made all of that in their living room. That's wow. not." A lot of artists do that. Everyone fucking does that. It's 2020. Like, like I have a, like I'm not trying to brag, which being honest, I've got like six grand worth of recording equipment in my basement right now that I use. Okay, it's not that hard. You can get this shit on Amazon and learn how to use it on YouTube. It's not difficult. I'm sorry. It's not hard to set up a recording studio and record and produce music in your fucking living room. It's hard to do it well. Yes, I was just I was just about to say because I'm pretty sure my brother's seventeen thousand dollar loan for audio engineering will tell you that it's yeah. not that it's not easy. It's not. It's hard to do it well, and it's hard to do it successfully. But to say she deserves a Grammy because she made it in her living room. Every band and artist in existence started in their fucking garage. That's not. That's not new. That's there are I okay. I host another podcast called Mixtape Radio for the Cinescape Media Network, where every week I find five bands or artists on like Bandcamp or Noise Trader SoundCloud that are putting out good quality music that just nobody's fucking listening to because they're just they're small potatoes. They might be brand new, they might just you know, you know, whatever. But it's like these people right here are also making music in their fucking living rooms. Yeah. I would I would love to uh, hop on that show and purely do a Canadian showcase because especially coming into this community, like yeah. there's a lot of bands, there's a lot of Canadian bands that I love and I'm like, hey, check out these guys and they're like, I haven't even heard of them and it's like Alexis on Fire. Um, you would also go to like July Talk is, is another yeah. great blue, all blues rock band uh, yeah. from Toronto. They're and incred- we, incredible live. And we, and I, I feature stuff from all over the world on that show. I've, I've, I've pulled music from Spain, the Switzerland. One of my favorite artists that I'm listening to right now is, is a band artist, whatever you want to call it, called Long Night out of, uh, I think, the Netherlands. Okay. It's, it's just kind of like bass-heavy, dark-wave, alt-rock type music. And it's so good. And, so, and it's like nobody knows who these guys are. No, but right. they're but they're making this shit in their living room and in their garage. So when you tell me the fact that somebody making music in their living room is a point of a Grammy, well, there's about fifty thousand artists on Bandcamp that also deserve a Grammy. Then, okay. uh, yeah. Dave Dave Grohl had a really interesting quote um, that fits to this particularly well, and the thing was more so in terms of like 
the big American Idol craze in terms yeah. of like, oh, I'll just get on here and become a superstar. Is about just get it, get in your garage, start a band, suck at it for a while, then keep yeah. sucking, and eventually you'll become, eventually you'll become that other band uh, that you don't like. Yeah, exactly. No, everyone's afraid to suck nowadays. It's, it's, you see the same thing in podcasting. People start a podcast and wonder why three episodes in they're not already a huge fucking viral success. I'm sorry. It takes years. Unless you're Joe fucking Rogan starting a new podcast, you're not going to get 10,000 views overnight. It's a year a week of, of just trying to figure out how the footing of your show. I've, I've been podcasting for years the sh- and the basement lounge is, is barely a year old. I'm still tweaking it because every show is going to grow and evolve organically. I, I'm not sitting here wondering why I'm not why I'm not maxing out on views right now because I'm still figuring the show out. That's, constant, that's the constant. way it is. No, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the exact same way. Like even with even with miscellaneous, we started that in February and we're we're, cons- we're consistently do, doing tweaks because it's all it's, it's about progression and trying to trying yeah. to grow. Um, yeah. It's the equivalent of going to the gym once and wondering why you're not already shredded. It, it takes time. Okay. Wait, wait. So you have to go to the gym more than once to not- Oh yeah, you got to go at least twice. At, oh, least okay. twice. at least twice. Twice. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been that guy too who I go home after the first day at the gym is kind of like, man, what do you mean I still weigh the same? Oh yeah, that's right. I I, I went on a treadmill for thirty minutes and I went to five guys for lunch. That's right. Okay. I've been I've been guilty of this um, a number of times, but it's that first day after you go at that first gym session you're like oh, i feel great can't wait to go can't wait to start going to the gym three days a week the next morning you wake up you're like why the fuck am i so sore why did i do this to myself why do people do this as a hobby it's it's great i i, I fucking love it i wish i wish i wish i went to the gym a little bit more uh but let's go to uh question number 12 uh oh, what's oh, your we're, skipping, we're skipping the over the other oh, skipping sorry. The other yeah, we might as well yeah we'll, we'll address the uh the, the, the that that elephant in the room of your uh of your overrated band i don't like nirvana and i don't get why people do okay i don't get it I, I, again if you do great that's awesome, and I and I will and I will say this right now because I know some people who know me will be listening to this who are going to say, "But Mike, you said," and I want to be clear, I don't like Nirvana. That being said, the choice of Nirvana song for the trailer for the Batman was inspired and was gorgeous. Shh, shh, shh. I haven't watched the trailer yet. There's a Nirvana song in the trailer, and you will nut. I'm just saying, it's an amazing song choice. I don't get Nirvana. I don't think Nirvana belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I don't understand the appeal. I, I think Kurt Cobain was a mediocre lyricist and vocalist and guitar player at best. I think Foo Fighters is a triumphantly better band than Nirvana. And I think people calling Nirvana the voice of a generation is one of the most pretentious things I've ever heard in my life as somebody who grew up in that generation. Um, yeah, if people think Nirvana is the voice of generation, go check out Soundgarden, go check out Pearl Jam, even any one of Chris Cornell's five bands. Like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, Audio Slave, oh, I mean, other, other two. I mean, it's just they're it, kind of like what you said earlier about Judas Priest, Nostradamus. Like, I've heard this better by other people is kind of how i feel i've heard nirvana's style done better by countless other bands and artists okay and and so it's, it's kind of like i wonder like why is nirvana the one why is nirvana the hill everyone's trying to die on 
Why is that the sword everyone's trying to fall on? I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. You talk about the grunge era of music. There were so many better bands doing more with their music than Nirvana did. And and I also I also get a little salty about the Hall of Fame thing just because they say, like, I, I think they need some clarification on the rules because it's supposed to be, like, bands that are 25 years old. Yeah. And for me, the, re- the, what, the big reason I draw an issue with Nirvana is because I'm like, they had, like, what, two albums? You know, I mean, they've been singles. Yeah, Nirvana hasn't existed since 1990. What year did Kirk Cobain kill himself? 94. Nirvana hasn't existed since 1994. I would honestly argue argue that at the greatest uh, Nirvana album uh, was the Foo Fighters debut. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, just because of like that was just all shit that dave had built up over over the years and then whatever kurt whatever kurt unfortunately passed away he's like well now i have a reason to sort of put up put all put all this out um and i think yeah uh like and all the love in the world to to the to the kurt cobain fans like i i I realize if you're a fan of something you're a fan of something I, i get that i'm not saying you're wrong for liking it i'm just simply saying for me i think nirvana is probably one of the most overrated um uh musical acts to ever exist i i just don't get it and i'm talking I'm, I'm speaking of somebody whose brother is a huge nirvana fan whose best friend is a massive nirvana fan i am so sur- i've been surrounded my entire life by nirvana fans people have tried and failed i'm 32 years old at 32 years old you are not going nobody has succeeded in convincing me even a tiny iota that nirvana is even close to deserving uh the, some of the, the the pedestal praise they get to this day i just don't get it and nobody's been able to convince me of it at 32 years old. Um, I so I just sorry guys, I don't see it. Can I don't see? It. There's people right now who are probably screaming like, "Oh, I can change his mind." You probably can't. Good luck. Not to try to change your mind, but to give you a defense in terms of like a perspective. I think as to why our generation loves them as much is yeah. that the Unplugged album was kind of a swan song. I am so sick of hearing about that unplugged album because it's not the greatest unplugged album because Eric Clapton's unplugged album is the greatest. It's not even. It's not even that. I just think Corns is better than Nirvana's, mostly because it's like, who did an unplugged album? Okay, (laughs) (laughs) but it's every every, that nine times out of ten, everyone's like, yeah, but that unplugged album. Okay, it was Nirvana with less distortion. What do freaking do? It doesn't change the fact that Kurt Cobain. I mean. I, Billy Eilish must be a huge Kurt Cobain fan because it's the same fucking vocal style. I mean, I'm sorry, it's it's mumble rock. It's it's mumble rock with lyrics that make no sense. And I am not just talking about "Smells Like Teen Spirit." That one is a cheap shot. That song makes no sense, but that's every that's, the Nirvana haters. That's that's their go to. Um, I don't think Nirvana sucks. I just don't get it. Um, but lyrically. Kurt Cobain's music makes no sense at all. I mean, we say, "Oh, it's just so deep, you don't understand it." No, don't, don't, don't pull that shit with me. Okay, I've, I, I am a big enough music, big enough art, artistic music fan. I get deep shit. Nirvana wasn't deep. Kurt Cobain wasn't a deep guy. Okay, he, he was just, he was, he was writing songs that didn't make sense to piss off parents. That's all it was. It was a shtick. It was a gimmick. And if you're into that gimmick. Good for you. I'm not, and you're not going to change my mind. Um, all right. 
So now that we got that out of the way, uh, let's now go to question number 12. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite concert that you've been to? It was the one that I went to this year in March, just before the pandemic shit really opened up. Uh, it was in Cleveland, Ohio, seeing uh, Kill Switch Engage headline with direct support from August Burns Red and Light the Torch. Um, the reason this was my favorite is for a lot of different reasons. One, it, it re it reestablished my love for a venue in Cleveland, Ohio that I hate. Um, it was when I first moved to Ohio, uh, cause I was living in Ohio, lived down South for a number of years, moved back to Ohio in 2015. So one of the first concerts I went to when I moved back to Ohio in 2015 was at this place in Cleveland called the Agora and the Agora was a piece of shit. I mean, it was just old, gross building sound quality was terrible um it just it was it was just a shitty venue and i went there a couple times and i was kind of like i'm just never gonna go there again well they announced this tour and it was like okay it's the first day of the tour it's the only time they're gonna be in ohio fuck it i'll go and i i i didn't realize that in the glad in the last couple of years they had remodeled the interior and fixed the audio problems and i was like oh i can enjoy going to shows here now uh, but also, Killswitch Engage is a band that I'm 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 just one of the biggest fans of, especially their 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 vocalist Jesse Leach. The man is a poet when it comes to writing lyrics for heavy metal. Um, the guys had so many side projects and, and shit over the years that I'm just obsessed with. But what also made this really special was the band Light the Torch that was opening the show. Uh, their vocalist is a guy named Howard Jones. Howard Jones was the vocalist for Killswitch Engage for a very long time. Jesse Leach was their original vocalist. Then he left. Howard came in. Then Howard left, and Jesse came back. And so there's always been this constant debate over from Killswitch fans who's better, Howard or Jesse. I think there's no comparison. They're both incredible, just different. Um, but on Killswitch Engage's most recent album, the one they were supporting with this show, with this tour, there was a song on there called The Signal Fire that was a duet between Jesse and Howard. And everyone was like, oh, shit. And they're going to be on tour together? So, of course, implication was, oh, they're going to do that song. Oh, they're going to do that song together. And do that song together, they did. But also, um, just the set list that, that Killswitch Engage played had some serious deep cuts from the Killswitch catalog that like, I hadn't heard in years. And I was like, look at these motherfuckers pulling this shit out of the mothballs. And it sounded amazing. And they had Howard come out by himself at one point and just sing one of his classic big hits with the band. And I was like, holy, like it was, it was like I'm seeing the version of Kill Switch that I never got to see live for one song, but I'm still seeing it. So there was so much just emotion as a fan of, of both these vocalists and the bands in general um, that I, I mean, it was one of the most emotionally fulfilling. And I, I go to a lot of concerts. I mean, I go to a lot of concerts. This is one of the most emotionally fulfilling shows I've ever been to in my life. And also the fact that a week later, Ohio shut down because of the pandemic. This was the first night of the tour. It was the it was supposed to be this long-awaited tour. I mean, they booked this thing a year in advance. They got two shows in the tour, and the tour had to be canceled. Like, this is a, this is a tour. Like, the fact they did the first show in Cleveland was mind-boggling. Especially because Howard Jones is also an Ohio boy, so it's kind of cool to see him there too. You could tell you could tell that he was having fun being 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 home, and it was like normally Ohio is one of those states that's usually like on the on the tail end of every fucking tour. I almost didn't get to see this happen, and so that's another reason of why it's so special. Is because like 
I'm one of a very few number of people that actually got to experience this tour before the world fucking ended. And that's gonna like like March was not that long ago, but it feels like an eternity ago. And so it's it's gonna this is one that's gonna sit with me. This will be my favorite show I've ever been to until we other than the first show I go to after the pandemic is over, then that'll probably be my favorite one because it'll be the first one I've gotten to go to after the end of the world. But I'm trying to yeah. think of the last concert that I that I that I would have been to pre-COVID. I think it was uh, January of 2018. Uh, we went oh, wow. to see, uh, went to see July Talk, um, and they were uh, they were co-headlining with Metric. Oh um, wow! I got Metric, to see Metric still around. Metric is fucking amazing live. I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of them. Again, another another Canadian another Canadian band. They had breathing they had breathing underwater and that song got played to fuck like at least at least once at least once a day. But then I gotta check out their their back catalog and it's really good like all psychedelic all psychedelic sort of pop. Um it's 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 good stuff. I didn't know Metric was still around. Metric is wow. Yeah, metrics, metrics good for them. Still around. Metric, good for metric. Yeah, no, they're, they're they're fun. They're super. They're, they're super. They're super chill. I loved their version. I love their live version of uh, Risk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Risk is a super. Risk is a super cool song. I also really like uh, Stadium Love. That was one that my brother got got me into. Uh, but yeah, Kill Switch Engage, August Burns Red, and Lit the Torch. I have heard of August Burns Red. Uh, they do that song, um, Do You Feel Like a Man When You Push Her Around? Do You Feel Better Now? Uh, that's like not August Burns Red. That's not, that's not August Burns Red. Oh, no, no, that's Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Right. Sorry. Red. August yeah. Burns Red is like fucking death metal as shit. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so I have heard of August Burns Red, Kill Switch yeah. not, not Lit the Torch, um, but they seem. Like great, like I love this question in particular because because of the stories that that, that you yeah. get and it, it's those memories that I that, that that I that I love and it's and it's good to like let let people sort of like relive that 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 great time. Um, let's move on to uh, question number thirteen. What's your soundtrack? Man, you know what? The movie sucks. The movie sucks ass. But two thousand three's Daredevil, man. Does it though? Does it actually suck ass? It sucks ass. The movie it's sucks. not that bad. It, it's pretty oh, fucking bad. I mean, it was the best version of Kingpin before Vince D'Onofrio got cast. It was the only version of Kingpin before Vince D'Onofrio. But, it but it's like it's the very clear number two. Like it's like it's not like it's like well, it's gonna take a lot for somebody to to, to surpass. Michael Clark Duncan was having so much fucking fun making that movie. Like as bad as the, as bad as the dialogue is, him and Colin Farrell were having a blast making that movie. The movie still sucks, um, but the soundtrack. You talk about a window into like fucking early 2000s uh, uh, heavy and hard alt rock man like first of all that's the, that's what helped Evanescence become the big fucking superstars there because Bring Me to Life was, was to life. There, as was My Immortal uh, but you had you had Chevelle you had um, Drowning Pool it was it was after the singer had died so they had Rob Zombie doing vocals with them you had Hoobastank you had 12 Stones you had Fuel you had I mean, yes, Seether was on there. I mean, it was insane. Whenever was I was listening, insane. whenever I was listening to the soundtrack, I got to the Fuel song, and I realized oh. that Fuel is the band that everybody thinks is Shine Down. 
uh, and then when yeah. you look at it, you're like, yeah. oh, it's actually fuel. But um, what I love about this soundtrack, and I think this is the first soundtrack for this question on the show in particular, because a lot of soundtracks, and like Edgar Wright in particular, is is uh, a great example of this, of how the songs almost match up beat for beat for what's happening in, in a movie. Yeah. What I love about the Daredevil soundtrack is that this, it's almost like an overarching thing where the choreograph or the choreograph fight scenes is almost like a counter melody, like like just the way yeah. like the way that they're punching in time with the music. I I, I like I like that um like that aspect of it. And you hit and you were exactly right. This is two thousand three heavy alt rock at its core. Yeah. If you want to know where music, if you want to know kind of the world what what, what where, where rock music was at in the early 2000s you can listen to this and the and the punisher soundtrack for 2005 those, yeah. the, those, those two soundtracks really paint a picture of just kind of where music was at um what was popular on the rock stations at that time uh yeah and this was also a yeah daredevil was directed by kevin smith right i'm not crazy, I'm not crazy. no 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 uh daredevil kevin smith's in it um oh, okay. And because because it was loose because the story is loosely based on the arc that one of the arcs that he wrote um, for Daredevil. It was directed by Schmodown, 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 Schmodown. Uh, Mark Stephen Johnson. Okay. Mark Stephen Johnson directed it. Yeah. Nice. Um, but but yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Like it's 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 kind of just kind of kind of just that, and I and uh, even just even listening to Wake Me Up Again. Yeah. Um, because it kind of got turned into a meme. Uh, there's a streamer that I watch um, a lot that actually has a notification. I think it's like if you donate over $50, um, you get to hear Wake Me Up, the chorus. But it's, you're, you're like, wrong. But it's, sound, but it's done by Goofy. Like, <laughs> wake me up. Wake me, me up. Suddenly. Suddenly. I can't, <laughs> can't wake up. All right. Move on to uh, question number four. Uh, what local act or what local slash indie act uh, should people listen to? Yeah, I put I put two down for this. So Long Night, I actually I mentioned a little bit earlier when I was talking about you know uh, this is the band from over in uh, Switzerland, kind of that dark wave goth rock band. Uh, they're real bass heavy. They've as I've been writing this 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 bass album I mentioned earlier, they've been a big influence on the style I've been doing. Um, just very very cool, very dark and smooth and and kind of groovy. Um, but they're not. But it, it doesn't have that pretentious dark. Like you, you hear, think about dark wave goth music, and, and you think really kind of cheesy, like stuff about vampires and bats and shit like that. And it's not that. It's very emotional, very, uh, very explorative music, just set to that kind of tone of music. Um, they're a lot of fun to listen to. So yeah, Long Night. They've got an album from a couple of years ago. It is on Spotify, and uh, uh, an EP for a single called TikTok. They uh, dropped. Uh, in the last year and they did an updated version like a month or so ago it's really good shit um but there's a there's a lesser known rock band out there that's kind of in uh, floating around um in hiatus right now called one-eyed doll um it's a two-person kind of goth punk rock band um kimberly freeman plays guitar and sings and then she has her uh her 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 drummer uh junior um and um, the thing I love most about One Eye Doll, other than just like there's a fearlessness to their music, like their stuff gets really deep, but it also gets really silly. And they're again, they're very explorative and very experimental. But what I love most about One Eye Doll 
is how good they are to their fans. And I have, I have a personal story for this. So my first year out of college, um, I was living on my own down south. I was living with some friends, and my, my birthday came around. And it just kind of seemed like nobody gave a shit. Like I couldn't get any, I couldn't get anybody to to want to go do anything together. Uh, my roommates were all out of town. My family was five states away. Um, I didn't have a uh, my I didn't have a car. It was just kind of like it was just like my birthday just kind of felt like shit. It's like nobody gave a shit. Um, and at the time, like most people in their early twenties, I was on Tumblr. God, I hate that website. Um, uh, it's so bad. Um, so glad I got rid of it when I did. But I was, you know, I, but Tumblr, Tumblr was my journal. You know, it was I was in the early days of dealing with clinical depression, and um, it was my journal. So I kind of just wrote on there, like, yeah, my birthday fucking sucked. It's like I nobody around. I'm broke. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Nobody wants to do anything. I felt bad. So I get a message from Kimberly Freeman, who was the front woman for for One Eye Doll. She, you know, she was. She's like, hey, I'm sorry your birthday sucks so much. That that's a real big bummer. Um, can I have your mailing address? And I was like, so so I gave her a mailing address. So so two weeks two weeks go by, and I get this package in the mail. And I say package. It was this weird amalgamation of wrapping paper and like brown paper bag from a grocery store wrapped in duct tape. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I opened it up. She sent me like three of their CDs, all autographed by her and Junior, all of which she had do, done like a bite mark on because they did those cardboard covers, all of which she did like a bite mark into the cover for each of them as well. Uh, a pack of guitar picks, stickers, a box of tea, um, a T-shirt, and which I, which I still have and still wear to this day. And... Um, a birthday card and also a a notebook made of recycled paper that she had done some custom art on the front of and written me a very sweet message on the very front page nice and i was like i like i was like this is a band i hadn't been into for a very long time she randomly was following me i followed her on tumblr and she randomly followed me back i just mentioned i was having a shitty birthday and she like like the the amount of effort and thought that went into this gift. She didn't know me. I'd never seen them live. She, she I, I I could have just been some asshole, you know. And it's like there there's a it, that kind of dedication to your fans. Um, you don't see that in most bands and artists these days. And and so to this day, like and and right now, Kimberly, uh, you know, she she's just this amazing songwriter. Uh, had like a death in the family a couple of years ago, and the band's kind of been on hiatus since, and they haven't really been super open as to why. And it's it's not not anybody's business, but but theirs, so that's fine. Um, but I hope they come back at some point, because um, it be. I mean, I mean, yeah. How do you a band? Because they're a band that like they tour in a in a van with a trailer attached to the back and they do all their merch production themselves. Like if you order merch from their website, they literally say we mail this stuff out personally. So it won't ship until we get to somewhere until we stop somewhere where we can actually ship it all out at once. 
So they charge like 10 bucks for a t-shirt, first of all, which is insanely low. And then it's one of those that's like, we'll ship it to you when we get home, basically. Like, we're on tour right now. So it might be a month and a half till you get your shirt. But when they ship, I paid 10 bucks for a shirt, but I also got a pack of stickers and a pack of guitar picks when I bought the shirt, too. So I was like, like, like these guys are so good to their fans. You can't not love them. Yeah. Uh, so for anybody who hasn't heard of One Eyed Doll, to give to give sort of like a brief description as to what their sound is, imagine yeah. the White Stripes, but they're dialed up to eleven. <laughs> yeah, it's like I I I told somebody I said it's the White Stripes if they were fronted by Harley Quinn. Pretty yeah, pretty well. Yeah, it's if Harley Quinn had a White Stripes inspired uh, rock band, that's what it is. Uh yeah, and, and it's it's great, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that's glad to hear that story. Um uh. One of my favorite things about like just going going to shows is, is just is being is like being able to support them. Like I try to try to buy an album to every every show that I go to. But when you mentioned that when you mentioned that story of just connecting with the audience, it reminded me of whenever I had went to or sorry, whenever my dad had went to see um, a guy by the name of Steve Bolts. Uh, he is a he is a uh, he's a folk songwriter. Uh, he was born in the in this area, but he moved to California at really at a really young age. Um, he was um, he wrote uh, TLC's Waterfalls, and he also wrote uh, "You Are Bad for Me" by Jewel. Uh, they had dated they had dated, dated for a while. Anyways, great time and see and uh, we had listened to them. We listened to him for quite a bit and. Uh, where they were playing, there was like ten minutes down the road, uh, and Steve was like, "Yeah, take like." But Steve said to my dad, "Yeah, like take 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 your kids take your kids down uh, tomorrow afternoon. Like we'll hang out." Because um, I had really gotten into his song uh, "Silver Lining," which is a very fun song to play on guitar. It's uh, it has this weird. It's it's not dad. It's not dad gad, but it's uh, it's F sharp instead of G for for the tuning. So it's that very like nice like open D tuning. Um, so, so he, he personally taught me that signed my brother's guitar. Um, and every other time that I've been to him, he always talks to his audience after the show. Um, and it's, and like the, and the second time that we saw him, um, he recognized my wife. He's like, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you before. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of like a, like a nice, like small world sort of scenario. And it's always good to connect, um, with musicians, um, in, in that sense. Uh, so, so fun. Um, oh yeah. Let's move on to uh, the final question. We are here. Question number fifteen. Uh, what is your favorite one-hit wonder? Marcy Playground, baby. Sex and candy. Oh, that song's so good, man. This is the second time this song has been used has been used for the question, uh, but really? it's great. That that pre like that riff going in going into the chorus. Hmm. I think. Everybody knows that, or every guitar player has at least tried to mimic that. I smell sex and candy. It's it's not a particularly like like deep song. Oh God, no! Um, It's it's so groovy. It's Uh, very very groovy. that's uh, and especially like how they move from the verse to the chorus because the verse is kind of like kind of like dark and gloomy, but then yeah. you get in the chorus. Like, and it's also it's also what the guy does with his voice too because the the verses are very hanging round, like like drunk karaoke. 
downtown by myself, and there she was. But then he gets into this little this little melodic bit in the chorus. I smell sex and can they hear? It's just a little bit of a slide, and I'm like, eh, look, look at you. Look at you making my nipples hard singing about nothing. What the hell, man? Now, this song can be over melodic and because and the reason that i say that the adam levine adam levine or the, or the maroon five cover of this song i didn't know they cover oh why do they gotta ruin shit yeah um, it's 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 i mean like it's it's fine but it's not an adam levine song yeah but maroon, just, but maroon five hasn't been maroon five for like 10 years so they, yeah i mean i think their debut record was only was the only like maroon five their, their um, second their second album was good but after uh, that, yeah. Well, but anyway, Marcy Playground. <laughs> oh yeah, sex, yes. um, sex and candy is great. I haven't delved into Marcy Playground other than that. Uh, but what I love about I, this I question, tried. yeah. I, what I, I love I about this question in particular is that some people have been like, "Oh, well, we'll just we'll just talk about the song. We'll talk about how great that song is." But there have been other people that have been like, "Hey, this song is great, but have you checked out the rest of their shit?" Yeah. Uh, and I've tried. I have tried with Marcy Playground. Um, all I can really say is there's a reason they're a one-hit wonder. You know, um, the rest of their stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of in the same vein as Sex and Candy, but e- and this is gonna sound weird, but everything else just kind of sounds like a sex and ca- attempt at a Sex and Candy cover. Uh yeah, I could see that. That's kind of how I felt. Like, like I, none of it was, none of it, again, none of it made me go, oh, this sucks. But it was all just kind of like, okay, I guess we're just going to kind of do the same shit. Okay. It's, it's kind of like um, the Elton John song, Amarita. Uh, whenever I hear that song, it just makes me want to listen to, to the Border song because it had it was <laughs> very similar. Very yeah. similar. It's just sort of yeah. like, it builds up to it and then it climbs back down. It's like, damn, why couldn't you just pay off that, like, like that, that climb, essentially? Yeah, um, but that's the show. Um, Man. We, 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 we got through. That was a that was a really good time. A lot of good stories. Oh Mike, yeah, thank you for coming on. That was a fucking blast. Um, what do you that got going cool on? To do this, man. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you got going on? Uh, so right now, uh, it's kind of weird. So right now, um, I uh, the basement lounge is my baby. That's my podcast. Uh, we're kind of on a break, kind of not. We did we did fifty episodes straight. We started last year in August. We did fifty episodes straight uh, for 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 first full season. So we took a break for the month of September or for the month of August rather. Then I bought a house. So now we're also taking a break for the month of September because I'm going to be moving into the house and and building a new studio in the new house. So we'll be back with new episodes in October. I've added a co-host to the show, a great comedian from my area, a great buddy of mine named Mike Wells. He's coming on the show. Uh, we're not doing a whole lot of changes, but just kind of, again, like we talked about earlier, like, like establishing the ground for the show going forward. But we're still doing live streams on Twitch every Wednesday for a, a show called Mike Talks Movies, um, which is still part of the Basement Lounge podcast feed, but it's just a deep dive into movie news. Then this, this week we are doing a huge deep dive into DC Fandom and the Batman trailer. Um, I'm also hosting a show I mentioned called Mixtape Radio for the Cinescape Media Network, um, which is a little, it's, it's a short episode. It's 15 minute episodes where I break down five bands and artists from all over the world that are just kind of that working class, lower level, you know, trying to make it in, in, in the industry type thing. Um, I do other stuff for Cinescape Media as well, including Mike's. I'm all over the place. And Mike's of the Roundtable is a panel show that we do. Um, 
I've got a new show. Well, because this is when is this going to air? This airs on Labor Day. This airs on. Okay, so so by the time this airs, I will have uh, I will have already announced this. But I'm also speaking of the Batman. Uh, going to be doing a a show as part of the Basement Lounge called Road to the Batman, which is going to be me and Colin Morris, who is a uh, who is a host of the Ultimate Schmodown show, which I produce. And here are going to be doing deep dives into everything going on uh, with the production of the Batman, uh, the cast, the crew, you know, the cinematographers, the music, everything. Uh, it's going to be a monthly show we're going to be doing as they go back into production. Um, and then, uh, yeah, producing and directing for the Ultimate Schmodown show, which is a Schmodown recap and reaction show for the Outlaw Nation. Uh, John Roca asked me to put the show together, and we've got three great hosts doing that. And then also just competing in the in the fan leagues, uh, multiplex and um, and uh, opening night. Uh, and um, yeah, man, I'm doing a lot. Uh, it's kind of the benefits of being a single guy with no kids. I have a lot of fucking free time, so <laughs> um, I do a lot. If you ever want to know more, though, the easiest place to learn more is either go to my website, MikeShakeComedy.com. Um, even though the comedy thing is on the back burner right now because of COVID, or just follow me on social media at Mike Shea Comedy, uh, and follow me on TikTok at Mike of All Shays because go it. check out his TikTok. I've said I was uh, one of those. I was so reluctant, and then I started doing it, and I was like, "Fuck, this is fun." <laughs> uh, the left brain, right brain one is probably that's still my favorite. That's still my favorite one. one. That and I had one video go fucking viral. The Dragon Force one, I think, is sitting at like fifty-seven thousand views right now. Oh shit! Nice. Uh, none of my other ones come even close to that, but that one, for whatever fucking reason, blew the fuck up, which I'm proud of. Um, but yeah, I'm the guy who made the the what does the Dragon Force singer do while everyone's playing solos TikTok? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's food and tries not to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, Mike, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, uh, so next week uh, is going to be the Foo Fighters episode, a playlist. That one's actually already recorded. Uh, me, Doug Castle, uh, and Joey Adams uh, from East of the Dial and the Quarantines, I believe is the other name of the Everlong! show. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we talk about Everlong in some way, shape, or form. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check out the plethora of things on Multiplex um, audio versions of Your List Sucks and Multiplex Loves Movies uh, uploaded on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and then obviously all the video content on our YouTube channel uh, fan, zone de- fan Zone Debates um, Movie War Zone, Fandom Fights uh, video versions of Your List Sucks, Multiplex Loves Movies TV Throwdown uh, and Miscellaneous uh, every other Monday uh, the, uh, the general pop culture trivia show uh, but once again guys, cheers uh, and as always Drive safe.